batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Ready to move us. Always thought I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between. The Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 70s and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it! And now your hosts, Jeremy and Jeff. One half teaspoon for fast, effective relief. It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. It's been a long time, Jeff. We we took a, a two-week hiatus. We both had so much going on, but we're super glad to be back in the saddle. How are you doing, Jeff? Indeed, back in the saddle, as Aerosmith says. Yep. Uh, I'm good. I wish our two weeks were, you know, vacationing on the beach. I know, exactly. But we, um, both, we both had two weeks, not necessarily for fun. Oh, well, well you know. You have that's to do what happens when you have to do, man. That's right. And we were both lamenting the 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 bummer of getting old, too. <laughs> um, the good news is, is our band is jamming again. Sweet. Very um, good. Three guys got vaccinated okay. and they feel pretty comfortable about being in a, in a practice space, rehearsal space. And the other guy actually had COVID. Wow. So I'm the only non-COVID, non-vaccinated dude, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I'm not either. One of our guys, who's my brother, he had COVID. He's over it. Uh, and we're starting. Yeah, my brother had COVID. Yeah, a couple months back, and and it was rough, you know. But but uh, he he got over it. And fortunately, that's tends to be the case for the vast majority of folks. But we are starting to fill up our calendar as well. So we've got a lot of. Uh, not not every weekend. It looks like at least two gigs a month so far, starting like in May. And that'll, your band? Yeah, that'll carry us through the summer. Oh, yeah. awesome. It's starting to open up a little. And and uh, we've got one place we play just north of town here. It's a, it's, a, it's a pizza place. It's like a mom and pop pizza place. It's built in a neighborhood, an older neighborhood. And they got a huge backyard. So the guy has actually built a stage. And every summer... Every weekend he has uh, local bands come and it's great. And, 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 you know, he pays us a little, feeds us pizza. Uh, it's awesome. fun. And, and we'll have a good crowd out there in the, in the backyard. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So that's kind of a recurring thing that we have. That's cool, man. Who, how do you, who, who does the the booking? Uh, we just, you know, we Share don't, it. yeah, we're, we're super low key. You know, we, we do, we'll play that. We have a high school reunion we're playing in July for a guy right. that graduated in the early eighties. So he's right in our, we've played a couple gigs for this guy actually out at a, a brewery again, way North of town. And those are always fun too. So we're, we're Definitely. filling things up and yeah, uh, we're going to, uh, we, I, I got um, a 360 camera. Oh, cool. Which are, which are so unbelievably amazing. It's just incredible what these things can can do uh and i was thinking to start just the live stream oh yeah so you know if you're interested in that if i get it working and it's smooth enough you know 
I, that would be you know awesome. How it goes because it could be a kind of a classic rock guitar, totally podcast uh, sort of side. A, yeah, thing. that would be awesome. I mentioned last week I did the one episode two weeks ago without Jeff, and I mentioned in that mm. that during the yeah sorry, <laughs> I mentioned during that that I have watched during the quarantine. I have watched two different Pat Travers live streaming concerts. And it's actually pretty cool. You know, it's him. He's set up on a stage. It's just him and his band, but it's good camera, good sound. And it's like 10 bucks, you know, for 10 bucks, you watch him blast through his hits. It's about 70 minutes and it's pretty cool actually. So I hope, I hope more of that happens. Daryl's place also, and that doesn't cost anything, you know, you, you can donate, but they're live streaming stuff all the time. And Incredible. that's pretty cool. And they'll have some, some good guests on there. So that's another a great thing to check out. And, and so I think that people have been so pent up over the last year plus with COVID that I think it will be a good time for live musicians. Cause I think there'll be 100%. a lot of places that will say, Hey, we want to do some live music. I think, um, Yeah. Outdoors is going to be huge, right? Because now it's springtime, summer. Because yeah. indoors is still a little limited. Yeah, and even with and level blue, I think we're on level blue. I don't know about you guys. I, I I don't know where we are. And to be honest, I've never understood the levels. So I just like when they take the sign down that says I don't have to wear a mask, I'll quit wearing a mask. <laughs> I think blue is like twenty five percent capacity at live okay. venues. Okay, inside, inside. Gotcha. Okay, which is eh, but well, breweries outside. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, it's slowly, but surely we'll get back to normal, hopefully, but I think there'll be a lot of places that want live musicians. So that'll be great. You had an interesting little news item. I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We did a news bumper. Okay. There you go. That's your next job. Make drop D sounds like a drop D. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Twisted Sister. Remember them? 1984. Yep. They're not going to take it anymore. Yeah. Apparently this politician in Australia, I can't tell if he just used the lyric or some of the words on his campaign um, advertisements where he actually played the the song, but they've they've sued this guy and he has to pay Twisted Sister $1.5 million. Well, to Universal Music. $1.5 million. Yeah, he lost his copyright suit over the track. We're not going to take it. This is 2019 uh, uh, federal election. Okay, so so the elect. This was a campaign in 2019. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Now, okay. Now, this is not new. This happens every election cycle. You'll hear of some artist complaining that a politician is using their music, and and then they so they stop using it. But this is the first I've heard of someone having to actually pay. So was he actually using, he must have been using it. He wasn't just playing the song as he walked out on stage. He was using it in an ad campaign. That's what it sounds like. Yes. Wow. It says this guy, uh, what's his name? Palmer, Clive Palmer. He wrote, he says he insisted he wrote these lyrics himself whilst in deep in contemplation. (laughs) So, okay, nothing against Twisted Sister. If I'm deep, deep in contemplation and, and, and coming up with profound lyrics, I don't think it would be a Twisted Sister song. <laughs> 
So that's funny. You know, the um, 1976 film uh, Network? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great, great film. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's what this Mr. Clive Palmer is is, um, referencing as his inspiration. Interesting. It's this, you know, this culture of just borrow, 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 and how well, far do you go, and how and, far do you take it, and, and it's all that. it's a brave new world, right? Because you watch YouTube, and there's this whole fair use debate. You know, how much can you play a ten minute blip of someone's video? Can you do this? So yeah, it's it's uncharted territory, intellectual properties, right? That this is going to continue to be a hotly debated thing forever. Yep. So I got one other little news item here. Some sad news. Uh, John Hinch, who was the drummer on the debut Judas Priest album, Rockarola. I believe that's the only one he played on. He just passed away. Uh, Rob Halford made a post about John Hinch passing away. So, and, and we've talked about this. It's come up before. And and unfortunately we're just going to, it's going to be a, a common thing as our classic rock idols are entering their 60s and 70s and 80s. Sadly, you know, this is what's going to happen is more and more of them will be will be passing away. So it's always kind of sad to hear it. But unfortunately, this is this. It's not going to end. <laughs> so, uh, no, be- unfortunately not. So stay healthy, all you rockers. Oh, for sure. And, Take uh, care of yourselves. Keith yeah. Richards will be the only one left. You know, he'll be the only one. Like <laughs> yeah. so, Him and yeah. Steven Tyler. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about uh, today's episode. We're talking about one of my favorite albums, uh, an album that I really think was about 10 years ahead of its time, the Montrose debut album. So when we come back, we'll be checking that out. Also, a new bumper from Jeff that we'll be checking. Is All right. There, yeah. is there a, are you by the train? I hear a train going by. Yeah, the place I'm at right now, there's a train two blocks away. Okay. It's awesome. amazing. It goes right down the middle of the street. I, I, really? That is yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well for, for property on, value, I don't know about it. I think about that episode. The, the, remember the Blues Brothers, their apartment, the train would go by and everything would fall off the wall. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Okay. So uh, I digress. When we come back, we're going to jump into the 1973 debut album from Montrose. Attention, if you live in Spokane, Washington and have teeth, this message is for you. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry knows teeth. Incisors, bicuspids, canines, molars. No tooth is too big or too small. I was delighted and impressed. So impressed, I bought the company. With Braun and Jarvis, you'll have the sweetest grill in the inland northwest. And let's be honest, nobody wants a funky grill. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry. 509-464-2391. That's 509-464-2391. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry. Quality dentistry that doesn't suck. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast and check out another awesome bumper from our musical director, Jeff. This is awesome. And and last segment, we gave Jeff an assignment to come up with a a news theme for us. So for our news updates. So that's that's on your plate now too, Jeff. Yeah. So, but this yeah, is, yeah. The, I like this one. This one is a great one. I listened back to it and I, I, I was like, because I, I often, you, you too, you're a product of the 80s, yeah? yeah? For sure. And there was probably six shows we watched all the time on television. And one of those shows was, had the, I believe I somehow subconsciously borrowed the melody from one of these shows. <laughs> okay. Um, and it was one of my favorite shows, my okay. dad's too. Okay. Uh, and it'd be cool if any listener picks it out and uh, sends an email. Okay, well, I'll give I, you. A, I'll buy you a coffee. I I didn't. I'll Venmo you five bucks. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't notice, but I love that. If you if you heard the same TV theme song that Jeff thinks he might have subconsciously borrowed from, send us an email, classicguitarrock at mail dot com, and and let us know. We'll see who who figures that out. That's funny. I'll be happy to send you. Um, I'm sure I could send you like a gift. Cool. Uh, oh, oh. so there's a so there's, there's a five dollar coffee thing or something. First correct response. Okay, yeah. figures out the melody that Jeff borrowed from subconsciously, of course, for that bumper. That sounds fun. Okay, awesome. <laughs> okay, Montrose killer album. Oh, it's a killer album. Let's talk a little bit about Ronnie Montrose. He passed away, I think, in 2012. Sadly, sadly, that was after a long, uh, he, he ultimately, and they didn't, this didn't come out till later. He took his own life. Uh, But after a long illness, struggling with this long illness and uh, everyone, that's yeah. Everyone assumed he died of cancer, but, but, but technically speaking, that wasn't how he died. And that's neither here nor there. There are lots of, interviews with Ronnie in his later years. And, and it's really funny because Ronnie as an old, older guy doesn't look anything like Ronnie as a younger guy. I mean, you, you really can't even recognize him. Some people, yeah, not even close. Some people don't change much as they age. Ronnie really did. He just looks completely different, but I like him. I like the interviews. And in fact, there's one, He's doing a Q&A and, you know, he says right at the beginning, he says, you know, a lot of these Q&As, it's like talking about guitar picks and guitar strings. He's like, that's just, that's boring. He says, so I like to talk about all kinds of stuff. So if you want to talk about hot sauce or barbecuing or cooking or camping or raising kids or anything, he just, it's all on the table, you know, and people will ask questions about all kinds of stuff. But he was an interesting guy from Colorado actually. So a Colorado guy, 
he got his first big start playing with Van Morrison. Yeah. And, and that's interesting because as I've gone back, a lot of these songs I've just really dug over the years, Ronnie Montrose played on and mm-hmm. I never really knew. So wild nights, Van Morrison, wild nights. That's Ronnie Montrose Frankenstein by Edgar winter group, Ronnie Montrose free ride. One of my favorite guitar licks of all time, Ronnie Montrose. So very talented guy and just a, an interesting individual and a guy that kind of like, kind of like Shanker and UFO, his influence was way bigger than his record sales success. If that makes sense, they didn't sell, sell a ton of albums, but his influence was felt by a lot. Eddie Van Halen cites Ronnie Montrose as a huge influence. Did you read that interview um, or actually watch the video when he auditioned for Van Morrison? I've heard a couple of the stories of that. So go ahead and, and share the one you're thinking and I'll see if it's the same one I, I saw. I believe it, it was his agent who kind of directed him and pushed him t- to go mm-hmm. and audition. And uh, when he showed up, there were just a whole bunch of other guitar players. And, mm-hmm. and he was just like, oh, geez, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to get the job. I'm, I'm good. I feel good. I'm confident. I'm just going to believe in it. I'm going to manifest it. And he said that's that's what he was thinking when he went up and he played, uh, Van asked him to play one of his tunes. And Ronnie said, well, I don't really know, but it just go something like this. Mm-hmm. And he played it. And Van goes, oh, where are you from, boy? Yeah. And he goes, you're hired. Yeah. Just like that. He said that that Van, because Van is from, from the UK, right? And so when he found out that Ronnie was from Colorado, Van in his mind still thought of Colorado as, you know, it's cowboys. And so he always thought that Ronnie was a cowboy, you know, literally like grew up riding horses and stuff. But I thought that was, uh, that was interesting. And the, the thing about Van Morrison too, is when you learn about Van Morrison, he was hard to work with. I mean, he's temperamental. He's one of these guys that, that, mercurial right that's that was mm. kind of hard to work with but but from everything i could see he had a good relationship with ronnie he and ronnie got along and and uh, ronnie played some great some great stuff the thing about montrose and he'll even tell you this did you see the interview where he talks about the polar method path of least resistance polar yes there's yeah he's he's it's a it's like an interview with guitar player magazine or something where he's showing some of his famous riffs and the guy watching it, you know, makes a comment about that's doesn't look nearly as difficult as I thought it was. Right. And Ronnie's point is that's the way I play. And that's why he, he said, I always use the polar method path of least resistance right. and everything he plays when you think rock the nation, you know, he using example playing rock the nation space station five, they're pretty easy, uh, which just goes to show you don't have to make it complicated to, to rock, to make some great, some great music. And and he kind of demonstrated that. Have you seen where he talks about his sound? You remember when he talks yeah. about his amp? He's, he's got the offender. What? He was um, a band man. Band master. Yeah. And he's got a, a cab with three speakers, right? That he swapped out. Yeah. Two, two uh, three tens in the cab. Yeah. And he said he always had an extra set. 
and they would just be in continual rotation because as he started blowing the three speakers, he'd have to get them reconed. He had this, this, and he said he, he bought the amp for 50 bucks at a garage sale, 40 watt Fender Bandmaster. I'm assuming the old tweed, an old tweed version, because if you look at old videos from like the, the old whistle stop shows, you see, he's got this little tweed amp. And I'm assuming that's his bandmaster. But he said on this album, his sound was a Fender bandmaster dimed. That was his sound. He said, guys, we're always asking me, you know, which Marshall were you using? He said, I didn't use a Marshall. I used this little 310 40-watt bandmaster cranked. He said he used a big muff on the slide part of Bad Motor Scooter. But he said everything else, that's his sound. You crank yeah. up a Fender uh, Bandmaster. I thought that was pretty pretty cool. Pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Almost makes you want to go out and find one on Reverb. Yeah. And and remember when we were talking about, what's it called? The Theremin? Theremin. Theremin. Okay. Yes. That's so, on my notes. Explain to us about the Theremin again before we talk about the Theremin. Tell us what that is. I guess you could call it an electronic instrument in that it generates electromagnetic kind of waves Mm -hmm. and using your hand you can affect the the energy really the field and that oscillates and then gets you know kind of translated into a a signal which drives an oscillator Mm -hmm. if you know anything about synthesizers it's really just a way to you know like a sine wave like beep if you combine these things and you can come up with but the theorem was pretty simple in that way and the coolest thing is you could play it with your hands and and the one video i saw of them doing space station five and i don't know if it's a theremin on the record or not to me it sounds more like just they're scratching on pick scrapes and stuff but but you see the live version this is really crazy and i didn't notice it till i watched the second time he's got this dan armstrong guitar that he's playing that's got this like bar poking out two feet from the guitar. And the reason he has that, and they're doing it on space station five at the beginning, by the way, if you listen to that song at the beginning, it's like a space science fiction song. So at the beginning, there's all these spacey sounds. And at the beginning, he's using the theremin, but I noticed what he'd do because there are parts in the song where you kind of get this, theremin sound again and so what he'd do is he's playing and then he just stepped towards the theremin and that little bar poking out of his guitar Mm. is is acting like because he's got to keep playing but he wants to get the theremin stuff going on so he's i thought that's pretty clever you know he's using that bar poking out of his guitar to work the theremin while he continues to play and i thought wow I think I had Space Station number five as my number one song for that that's, reason. I'll, I'll tell to you that. Throw a theremin in there. Yeah, that's that, a great song. That's my number one song too. So we could stop the show right now, but uh, <laughs> it's a great album. So um, yes, it, it's, and, and of course Montrose is known for th- that's where we meet Sammy Hagar for the first time. And love that story too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell us that. Tell us that story. I think when Sammy heard that uh, Ronnie left the Edgar Winter Band and wanted to form his own band and was looking for a singer, mm-hmm. and Sammy was 19, 20? He was just a kid. But, right? Yeah. yeah. But he had some songs. Mm-hmm. He wrote songs. He had lyrics. 
And he just knocked on his door and was like, I want to be your singer. Here's some songs. And four of those songs are on this album, yeah. which is like half the album. It is half the album, right? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty incredible. That is. He was Sammy, you know, without Sammy, of course, he went on to do what he did, as we know. But right. I just think that uh, he's equally as part of this album. I agree. Brian I agree. A hundred percent. And cheesy lyrics. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. a, little, a little cheeky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's some some uh, I don't want to say covers, but kind of like Led Zeppelin, where they just land on some old cliche. And yeah. Yeah. So so lyrically, they're not masterpieces, but but they work. Well, what's the term that, that was thrown around in the in the media? The uh, the answer to Led Zeppelin. Amer- oh, yeah. America's answer called, to Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, which... Ameri- or, or I've heard them called America's first heavy metal band. Right. I've heard them called a, uh, several different things. Uh, San Francisco, right? Because Veronica left Colorado and San yeah, Francisco. They were in San Francisco. And there's a great on Spotify. One of the versions of this album has the entire live performance that they did for a San Francisco radio station before the yes. album came out, before the band had a name. They were yeah. billed as Ronnie Montrose and friends. And what had happened is another band was this radio station. I, I don't KSAN K, KSAN. They would do this. Think of this. This is the good old radio stations. Don't do this. Okay. There's, there's a station that in the middle of the week would have like live performances playing on their station. Right. You might hear the Allman brothers or, or, or Jefferson airplane or whoever. Yeah. And anyways, someone canceled. So Ronnie and friends get up and they play and they play probably half the songs from the album and then a few others. But even that as loose as it is, it's pretty dang good. I was pretty impressed. I mean, the band sounds tight. Sammy sounds good. It's completely live, you know, in between there's no audience. It's like a band set up in a studio in between songs. They're talking and laughing. Yep. Sausalito, California. Sausalito, California. KSAN radio from the record awesome. plant in Sausalito. They don't do that anymore. And it was a different time back then. Future classic guitar rock podcast live bands. There you go. Hey, hey, I like where you're going. Seriously, I like where you're going with that. Okay, you heard it here first. Okay, but one thing that was funny, and we're just, I'm sorry, we're just going all over. I'm just excited to talk about this album. One thing that I think is funny, I get the impression that, which is often the case with artists, with egos, Sammy was only there for two albums. And uh, the story goes that when Sammy said he wanted to leave, that Ronnie said, well, you're never going to amount to anything if you leave. <laughs> which, oh, is that right? Yeah. Which I think he said, man, you're never, you're never going to, you're never going to be successful if you leave, which is kind of funny because obviously one was way more successful than the other and it wasn't Ronnie. Uh, <laughs> but I just thought that was kind of, kind of funny. Uh, you can find clips of Sammy having Ronnie come up and play songs with them uh, later. And yeah. Uh, it's good stuff. I mean, I, I, it's just, it's just really good before. And I'm going to go on another tangent here. Gamma. Okay. So if you've never checked out gamma, that is worth checking out. So gamma was a project that Ronnie started in like 79. They had three really good albums. Uh, 
one in 79, I think one in 81, one in 82, something like that. Three albums that came out in a fairly short period of time. Gamma one, gamma two, gamma three. Phenomenal. There was a gamma four, like in 2000, that was kind of crappy. So don't worry about that. But those first three gamma records from the early 80s are really good. And they have this singer named Davey Pattison, who here's what's funny. Another funny story, another tangent. So I saw a video of Robin Trower from like the 90s and Davy Pattison was singing with him. And I assumed Davy Pattison was originally with Robin Trower because if you listen to Bridge of Sighs or any of the Robin Trower stuff, the guy singing sounds just like Davy Pattison. And I, I thought it was the same guy. It's not. So uh, Dewar, Dewar, D-E, the, the bass player in uh, Robin Trower was the singer, great singer. Well, anyways, Davey Pattison sings, sounds just like that guy. Davey Pattison oh. has done albums with Michael Shanker. I mean, he's done some other stuff. He's a great album. Where was I going with this? Oh, I'm talking about Montrose. Yeah. If two you, albums and Sammy was was gone. Yeah, they did two albums and and Sammy went and did his solo stuff, wound up in Van Halen. We all know that story. But these Gamma albums from the late 70s are really good. Uh, the the guitar playing's great and it was a very much a fusion of the guitar but a lot of electron it was kind of cutting edge synthesizer stuff for the time that was kind of cool to see. You didn't see that in a lot of hard rock records like it, like they do, like they use it in Gamma. But if you haven't heard the Gamma stuff, you got to go check out the Gamma albums. They're really good. Uh, But it all starts in terms of the hard rock career of Ronnie Montrose. It all kind of starts here. And one last thing, just to, just to wear you out further, Jeff. So remember, we talked about the uh, classic rock family tree. I wanted to, I, I, I was thinking about this. I said, I, where, where we can, I want to try and tie any of these groups into that family tree. And it all starts with Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple. It's that Black Sabbath, Deep Purple ne- nexus that is the roots of the classic rock tree. And I was going to, I was thinking, how can I tie in Montrose to that? Here's my route. You tell me if it's too convoluted. Okay. In in the next, I can't remember if it's Paper Money or it may be the third Montrose album. They bring in this bass player named Alan Fitz Fitzsimmons. Now, Alan Fitz Fitzsimmons might be familiar to folks. He played, he also played in Gamma. So he was in Montrose and in Gamma. Alan Fitz Fitzsimmons was the keyboard player in a band called Night Ranger. Oh. Night Ranger had a guitar player named Brad Gillis who played with Ozzy Osbourne. So there's, a, <laughs> so we can make that connection. We could connect it in a few other ways too, but I thought that's maybe the, the most direct one, but it never takes more than a few steps. Tell your, tell your in with black Sabbath, Denny Carmossi, who's the drummer. He's played with heart. Uh, Howard Lease was in heart with Howard Lease. You can probably tie. You can, I know you can tie a Howard Lease in with Paul Rogers once you get Paul Rogers, you get bad company. I don't know if I thought long and hard enough, we could probably link bad company in there with uh, 
because we get free there too, right? We could probably tie them in somewhere. But my point is that, again, a lot of these players in Montrose, just like in a lot of the other bands, the the links, the tendrils run out and you they all come back to Black Sabbath or Deep Purple. So it's just a, kind of a fun thing to do. Kind of wild. Kind of wild. And and also, Karmasi was in one of the uh, incarnations of Foreigner too. He played with Foreigner for a while. Cinderella, Whitesnake. 38 wow. special. Oh yeah. He's played with lots of guys. I think he might've been in bad English too with Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane. Right. I think he was, wow. might've been in there. So again, Denny Carmasi, one of these guys that, that, Oh, here's another connection, by the way, I just thought of it. Sammy Hagar, Sammy Hagar's circle. They're actually going to be playing here locally this summer. I'll go see him. Sammy Hagar's cir- circle, his current band with Michael Anthony features Jason Bonham on drums. Of course, Jason Bonham is the son of John Bonham. That ties in the Led Zeppelin. Jason Bonham played on the celebration day. So he was in Led Zeppelin for that celebration day concert back in, when was that? 2008. Um, he's on that live album. So that ties you into to, uh, Led Zeppelin. And then Led Zeppelin ties you. There's a connection. You can hook up Jimmy Page and Paul Rogers in the firm. So you hook them up there too. Yes. Page. I remember that. Remember uh, Jimmy Page and Coverdale. There's a connection there. Once you get Coverdale, of course you get deep purple. Once you get deep purple, you get black Sabbath. So it's all, it's amazing thing the way you can, can cover all those. So anyways. Yeah. Sammy's had, uh, he's had amazing career in life, man. I tell you. And he's still out of all the rockers, you know, he's, he's one, he's up, he's right up there with just the bands he's been in and how he keeps going. And, 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 he, uh, and he's yeah, still selling company and his bar down in Mexico is successful. Wabo. Yeah. Yeah. And then now he released what he released some rum, I think maybe he's got all kinds of stuff going on and he's like, yeah. How old is he? 75, 74. Definitely in his seventies. Oh yeah. And, and he still sings good. So yeah, he's one of my. He's, he's friends with Bob Weir. Friends with Bob Dead, Weir, which you know that doesn't seem think. like. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a. But they're I all. Think it might be neighbors. Could be, could be. So kind of makes you want to move there. Exactly. Anyway, this album was also produced by Ted Templeman. Ted Templeman and Eddie Van, Van Halen, Doobie Brothers, Van Doobie Morrison, Brothers. and and Eddie specifically said that's why he wanted Ted Templeman. He said he loved the way the guitars sounded on the first Montrose album. And that's why he wanted Ted Templeman. Okay. Here's my, here's my last little digression. I'm so, I'm so unfocused. I didn't medicate myself today, Jeff. Sorry. So here's my last little digression. Story goes that Montrose opened for Van Halen. And one other band, I can't remember, another band opened for Van Halen. And shortly after these opening stints, these guys were doing the two-handed tapping thing. And the story goes that Eddie was a little annoyed that these guys were stealing his his thing, you know, his two-handed tapping thing. And I'm like, hmm. Oh, Tom, Tom Schultz, right? Eddie was was accusing. This is how the story goes. Both Tom Schultz and Ronnie Montrose of stealing his tapping thing. 
First of all, Eddie's not the first person to have ever tapped. There are several instances as far back as the 40s and 50s of people playing on the neck with both hands, right? He's obviously the one that brought it to the fore. And the reason I'm making this point, Jeff, if you go back and listen to that live recording, the KSAN recording Mm -hmm. from 73, way before Montrose had ever met Eddie Van Halen, there's what sounds like tapping going on to me. Really? Yes. Do you happen to remember what song? I don't remember, but I remember hearing that thinking, hmm, that sounds like some two-handed tapping to me. I'm going to go check that out for so, sure. So anyways, I just want to throw that out there, another little tidbit that I'd heard. So with that, let's actually talk about this album. You said produced by Ted Templeman. 1973, their debut. Not, what, a, what a debut album. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it, fantastic. Did, it didn't do that well. I mean, commercially, it didn't do that well. But But it has over the years. I believe it's got up to, I don't know if it's reached platinum status, but for sure gold status. Voted number four, best metal album of all time by Kerrang! Magazine in 1989. Number four (laughs) of all time. Wow. Kerrang! This is, you know. Kerrang! is, that's a metal magazine, man. You got to be metal to read that. So. What's funny is, you know, when you hear Sammy sing, somehow, not somehow, but, but. It, the, the album to me is like a happy rock and roll party. I agree. Album, high energy, just good times. That's you know? the vibe Sammy has. I agree with. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, some of the heavy metal stuff or something that classified maybe wouldn't be that that way out, out the gate. They might have a song or two, but you know, maybe darker, darker themes. This kind of stuff is about you know, it's having fun, girls. Yeah. It's partying. Yeah, totally, totally. And living the only, life. The only exception to that is Space Station Five, just based on the lyrics, the subject matter. To me, that's that's kind of a sci-fi Planet of the Apes, Logan's Run. You know, think about the time frame, early 70s, sci-fi, talking about living underground and and you know the the air's too dirty to breathe and you can't fish you know so it's kind of a kind of this sci-fi futuristic thing true does it remind you so much of judas priests that it, song it does it's and maiden too do, 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 do. yeah it, it 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 but it's just a cool riff man i, I just great I, I love it it's got the trippy phasey bridge in the middle yeah, it's great. So let's just really quick, you share your 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 faves with us. I already know your number one. You already know my number one, but just kind of list out your picks and why. Let's see. Yeah, I didn't I didn't put any numbers behind the songs. That's all right. For just... whatever reason. I mean, I, I'm gonna just put Rock the Nation, Bad Motor Scooter, and and uh Rock Candy all kind of number two-ish. Yeah. Two, three, four, three, four, two, you know. Mm-hmm. Rock candy. I mean, you got that Zeppelin kind oh, of bottom intro. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Yeah. Total so many t- bottom intro. Yeah. There's actually a, one riff in that tune that reminded me of Young Lusts by, by Pink Floyd. 
trying to remember if I can find the the, uh, the times. Well, the I know, and, and and there's a the the live version from the radio station recording is very different from what wound up on the album. The drum beats mm. there, you got the Zeppelin beat, you got the the famous riff, and and I'm sure this was Ted Templeman kind of simplifying thing because what Ronnie does in the live version, he just starts shredding. I mean, he's just playing this cool fast solo but then it's very simple but i love that part in rock candy where there's this lick that goes just really slow and they do it like three times and then it's the same riff just double time and i thought that was oh yes yes that, that was a producer just saying dude just do this because it's super simple, but it's so heavy and effective. It just, it's cool. And I'm sure in my mind, I'm just seeing that's a producer saying, hey, hey, slow down. Let's do this. Give some space. Give it some space. And it, and it just, yeah. it works. Yeah, I love that. Bad Motor Scooter. I mean, Motley Crue completely. Completely ripped this off. Be- beginning yeah. of that with the motor. Totally. On their, totally. what is it, Kickstart My Heart or something? Kickstart My Heart, yeah, that's it, that's it. They completely. I mean, I heard it, I was like, did I click on a Motley Crue song? Yeah. <laughs> I guess here's, here's what's funny. When you go see Sammy Hagar live, he whips out the little lap steel and plays all that. So, Does he? So, yeah, so I assume Sammy was playing that part on the record because when you see them play it live, there's no slide guitar. When you see Montrose play it live, like on the, the old whistle stop footage, of check out how skinny Sammy Hagar is, by the way, on those videos. But they leave out the slide guitar part. There's no slide because Sammy's singing and and Ronnie's playing the rest of it. But they leave out the whole motorcycle. And during the chorus, they that's not in there. So I always assume that must be Sammy that plays it. But actually, no, it was Ronnie that played it on the albums. But Sammy, to this day, when he plays the song live, he brings out the little lap steel and plays those parts so so do you think it's so more slide than a than a than a, uh, a tremolo bar probably both but i know the videos it's he, he's got a les paul there is no tremolo and they just leave out the yeah i'm pretty sure that's just a that's just yeah. slide and it's a distinctive yeah. electro harmonics big muff oh yeah for sure pedal, you hear that this is so great man it's Sound so great good. It's like the the way it was supposed to be, I think, utilized. <laughs> yeah, and Ronnie has this, it's like a C add nine chord at the beginning, just that kind of suspendy sound. And I just yeah, it's a great song. So you mentioned the the those songs. Okay. Rock the Nation, Bad Motor Scooter, Space Station Five, and Rock Candy. Okay, those four songs, I think I'd give them all five guitar picks. I'd give every Mm -hmm. single one of those songs five guitar picks. And like you, Space Station 5, I would have to, if I had to pick a favorite song, that's the one I'd pick. But all four of those songs are just classics that should be huge. I mean, you'll you'll hear Bad Motor Scooter and you'll hear Rock Candy on the classic rock stations. But those should be as big as any hard rock song i think i mean they're just 
they're ma- they're massive songs. And to think that this is 1973, you put this record on next to, and I'm not, I don't mean to be dissing these bands, but you put this record on compared to Bachman Turner Overdrive or Grand Funk, anything from ni- else from 1973, this just kicks the crap out of it. I mean, production wise, the way the guitar sounds, the singing, that's why I say it's it's ahead of its time. Because to me, it sounds like something you wouldn't have heard till 1979 or 80 mm-hmm. or something in terms of the way the production sounds and the vocals and, and that sort of thing. So, and the influence. Yeah. You can, I mean, how many bands borrowed from this album? Yeah. Just the whole, the whole thing. Um, what is the one I think good rocking tonight? Is that the uh, kind of that to gen to that shuffle kind of yeah, double timey thing? Is that the bow, 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 bow. oh no, that might be one thing on my mind I'm thinking of, but yeah, it's just a it's that's the, a dump 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 a I just love, you know, that's just just one of the all-time favorites from a song. That's a good song, too. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of lyrics, which one was it? Bad Motor Scooter. If you get get lonely on your daddy's farm, remember, I don't live too far. (laughs) And that, and that, the second verse. You jump uh, on your scooter. Yeah. Come on over. the, the, uh, The second verse where he says, just come by the office. I'm afraid of your dad. You know, he's yeah. talking about, yeah, it's good. And I think, what are the songs that Sammy brought? Is that one of them? You know, I'm assuming this four songs that he brought are probably those ones that we dig. I have that written down here. Yes. That is one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So bad motor. Uh, make it last. Make it last. That was one. That, one thing. I, yeah. One thing, one thing on, on my mind. Okay. And I don't want it. Okay. So, Two, so two of the, well, wait, maybe it's only one of the four we were talking about. So bad motor scooter. I don't want it. One thing on my mind and make, make it, it last. Yeah. Make it last is a, it's a pretty good song. Uh, that's the last song side one. Well, except, you know, rock candy, rock candy. So I was going to say side one, definitely the stronger side, but none of the songs are bad. I think if I was going to pick my least favorite, it would probably be good rocking tonight like i said not a bad song not a bad song nope. but th- those are we got four super stellar tracks that that are awesome i like the uh the phaser going on uh, one thing on my mind yeah so yeah. nice phaser effect happening there yep what i like about this we we mentioned the um the zeppelin groove on rock candy the drums sound really good on this album they're really big they're just very there's a lot and i think this is ted templeman there's air right there's space it's not i was listening to remember we mentioned the band angel uh, a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago angel was this hair band angel was the they were supposed to be, they were on Cas- Casablanca Records, the same label as Kiss. Kiss discovered them. And they were packaged as the antithesis to Kiss. Kiss wore all black. Angel wore all white, had long hair, you know. <laughs> Frank Zappa actually did a song about 
Punky, the lead guitar player in Angel. Anyways, that's a whole nother story. Punky Meadows. And Punky Meadows still has the big 80s hair with tons of hairspray and makeup and stuff. He, you know, he still has that whole glam look. And where am I going with this? Oh, my point is, okay. I think part of the problem with Angel, for instance, because they had some good songs. Check out the song The Tower on the first Angel album. It's a great tune. Okay. But but the the production is very schlocky. It's just like a wall of you don't you don't hear the definition like you hear on a Ted Templeman album. And that goes to show you the importance of a producer. And I've said it before, Def Leppard's a good example. You listen to the first Def Leppard album compared to when Mutt Lang came in and started producing. It's a different world. I mean, it's a completely yeah. different sonic adventure, right? And you see that with uh, with Ted Templeman's production here on on Montrose. It's really good. And it's this is 1973 and it sounds really good. Yeah. If you were that if you were this kind of band, this is your your sound. Mm -hmm. If you're a rock kind of fun rock band like this and you release this today, you'd be like, oh man, it's a little bit of a throwback, but it's it's awesome. Sounds pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, it's great. It it and that's a good way to look at it is it doesn't sound cheesy and dated like a grand funk album would sound or something so yeah that's that's a good point i don't want it there's a wah let me just think about this i think there is a wah in that song yeah you're right and and ronnie would use the wah and i can't remember if it's so much in on this album but he really really used a lot of delay Hmm. let me plant a seed and i know you're way ahead of me on this the james gang I've been listening to the James gang lately and Ronnie, like Joe Walsh was using kind of this slap back delay sound that we didn't really hear a lot of till later with like David Gilmore. And then of course the edge, they, that's his whole style. Right. But Joe Walsh was doing stuff like this way back in 1970, Ronnie Montrose was doing a lot of the delay and I'm not just talking about a long delay. I'm I'm talking about actually the slapback type where you're 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 playing not a long, long delay. That delay, analog delay, of course. Yeah, but not a long like not trailing a, thing. Not a long trailing delay, but right. but where you're actually using that delay as as part of your beat, kind of like Gilmore did it a lot later, like on Run Like Hell, and then of course The Edge did it later. But this is way back then, Joe Walsh. Ronnie Montrose, they were doing crazy stuff with delay, you know, and I wasn't aware of that till I went back and, and looked, I thought, I always thought of David Gilmore was like the first one to really start doing a lot of that. And then of course the edge, that was his whole style. That's all he does. Right. Anyways. Yeah. He, uh, that's an art form for him. It is an art form. That's that. And I'm not saying that's bad. He, he literally made the delay an, an instrument, you know, that's, that's how he does his thing. Right. But Ronnie was an innovator like that. He was doing a lot of this feedback, feedback. He was a master of the, the infinite sustain, right? I, again, I, I guess that comes from always playing a cranked amp. <laughs> you know, you always, all you got to do is turn one, one way or yeah. the other. And the note Crank that volume up. Takes off. Use that volume. I just remembered, um, you know the song Last Night by The Strokes? Yes, I do. So listen to the very beginning of the chords of the guitar. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. And then listen to 
good rockin' tonight. Okay, okay. Possibly your least favorite song, but I'll go, well, when pretty I pretty much this when, it's the same. Yeah, thing. when I say least favorite, you know, I gotta pick one. It's still a yeah. good song. And if I might say so myself, the two of us, we tend to pick albums that we like every song. That's why we pick them, <laughs> right? So <laughs> we haven't picked an You know what? We'll have to pick an album that neither of us like, but that people consider a classic. Yeah. Know? We kind of we dug into Hotel California a little bit on some things. But for the Do most you think part, we'll ever pick an album that doesn't have kick-ass guitar? <sighs> I don't know. Right? I mean, the podcast has guitar in the name, so probably, right. probably, not. probably not. But like, we might pick of... albums that people talk about as being classics, and we're like, eh, we'll see. Your yeah. your turn. It's your turn next, by the way, to pick the album. So okay, have we gotten any requests for albums? Not yet. So no. again, here's a plug. If you've got an album that that you'd like us to talk about, just shoot us an email: classicguitarrocketmail.com. And let's just wrap up this album. Let's just sum it up. Here's my closing statement. Here's my closing argument. This is a classic for for a few reasons, right? It's the introduction of Sammy Hagar. We had already heard Ronnie before this because he had been in Edgar Winter Group and with Van Morrison. But it's the first time we hear Sammy, who goes on to be a pretty major player in classic rock. And this is a tremendously influential album to the likes of Eddie Van Halen, Iron Maiden. You know, there's lots of guitar greats will tell you this, this album was very inspirational and they're just great tunes. And you said it, it's a, it's kind of a feel good rock and roll. They kind of call them an American heavy metal band, but, but like you said, they're not heavy metal, you know, they're, they're hard rock. Great guitar playing, great riffs, great drums, great vocals. Just a great album. But if you're a guitar player, man, I think there's a lot to take from here. Mm -hmm. Just sounds, production, but just the riffs. And like you said, his efficiency and and his solos. There's just some great... I mean, I'm going to go back and maybe we'll do one of these tunes in the band. I'm not sure, but we might. We tried to do Bad Motor Scooter. And we've done it a few times. Little tough to sing. We didn't do the slide part. We just, if you go watch that old whistle stop version of them doing um, Bad Motor Scooter, that's kind of how we tried to play it. And it was okay. I mean, I mean, we, vocal vocals were the hard part, right? I would love to do Space Station number five. But then again, that's not a mainstream song. If you played that, most people wouldn't recognize it. But you could get away with Bad Motor Scooter or Rock Candy. You know, Rock Candy would be a good one too. For sure, man. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening and we appreciate your support of the podcast. Again, we're, we're on Patreon. If you'd like to support there, uh, you can support for at least for as low as $3 a month. You can always email us classic guitar rock at mail.com. And we want to thank our sponsor, Ron and Jarvis family dentistry right here in Spokane, Washington, Jeff. Thanks so much. Be thinking of a great album, and I'll see you on the next one, bud. Let's keep rocking, folks. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.